the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The lessons that we can learn out of the book of Exodus are varied and many. And we are doing just that, learning lessons out of the book of Exodus. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand as we explore Exodus together next. Hi there. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward, online at grace-bible.com. We've been working our way through Exodus in our series, Arise, Move, and Go, and today we turn to chapter 24 and the first 18 verses. It's a message Pastor Jesse has entitled, And They Saw God. It's a divine call to worship in God's presence. And that call is still extended to you and I today. Join us as we see how and why and to what end and whose glory. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's edition of Way of Grace. You create a society of what these foolish scholars are asserting going all the way back to the Enlightenment, that everything is a mere social construct, is absolutely insane. If you assert that, Everything you are seeing and hearing is just the way you want it to be, and you can change it like Play-Doh. You are demonically deluded. How arrogant is the fool that opens his mouth like Foucault and Derrida and many of them who were perverts at the highest levels of immorality. In fact, they were so inclined and engaged in sexual perversion with children, it's no wonder the seeds of their doctrine are showing up today in an attempt to mutilize our children. Every seed-bearing herb bringing forth fruit of its own kind. You shall know them by their fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. And so when we are talking about how Torah works, what we're talking about is how God's law presupposes, this is what we call an axiomatic assumption, that there is a lawgiver. God's law presupposes there's a lawgiver. This is why the battle that we've been fighting since the fall of mankind is, who is the Lord? Remember what Pharaoh said when God showed up? Who is the Lord? That's why Moses said, just hang out a minute. He's coming. He's right behind me. The Lord is right behind me, and he can speak for himself. Wherever there is a Lord, there is a law. And in our society, we are destroying the law, dismantling the law, denying the law, distorting the law, abrogating the law. To do that is to destroy yourself. Because if the law is a reflection of the lawgiver and he created you in his image, then you are an intrinsic, intrinsic system of law. Did that make some sense? If God is love, I'm love. If God is righteous, I'm righteous. If God is orderly, I'm orderly. 
If God is kind, I'm kind. If God is wise, I'm wise. If God is holy, I'm holy. If God is just, I'm just. If God is a consuming fire, as we're about to see, I'm a consuming fire too. Am I making some sense, ladies and gentlemen? And when you separate human beings from the true and the living God, you're creating sons of perdition headed to hell. I'm going to circle back on that in a moment. You got time for me today. So in our first point, what we are laying out is how gracious God is to use Moses. This is also, let me, I, I love my elder having made the observation about meekness. Meekness is what God does to a person, right? To, to, to hang out with God like Moses did, you have to be meek. You have to be willing to be controlled by another. You have to be willing to be controlled by another. You're about to see that play itself out. But Jesus said that very same thing as king of kings and lord of lords in Matthew 5. He said the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek are those who are controlled by a higher power, a true power. Am I making some sense? It's extremely important for us to comprehend that meekness has nothing to do with emotional temperament. It has everything to do with a resolve to submit to the hierarchical authority of a sovereign ruler whom you have already admitted. He bought you. He paid for you. He owns you. He can tell you what to do. And these are the battles that we're fighting today in my generation with wicked men and women who are boldly opening their mouth and saying that there is no God but me. That's what I'm hearing. And you are, too. I taught you this for 20 years. See, you can't get rid of God without making yourself God. Subpoint B, the precepts of obedience and the promises of blessings. Look in chapter 23, verse 25, chapter 23, 25. We're moving towards chapter 24. And here's what God says. I love the way he he said it in chapter 23, verse 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and your water. And I will take away sickness from the midst of you. Is that a good deal or what? Listen to what he says. There shall nothing cast your young nor be barren in your land. And the number of your days I will fulfill. I don't have time. But the Antichrist system does exactly the opposite. It forces abortion. It forces barrenness. It forces miscarriages. It does not want multiplication. It wants diminishing. Are you hearing me? This is why men and women don't hear the word of God taught in their churches. This is why, because if you hear it, you will know God's will. You will know God's priority. You will know the precious things of the Lord. You will know that's how God exercises dominion from generation to generation. He says, going on in verse seven, I will send my fear before you and will destroy all the people to whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies to turn their back unto thee. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hittite, Canaanite, Hittites from before you. I will drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against you. God is saying, I'm going to go before you and make a way for you to advance and occupy the territory. Please listen to what God says. I'm going in front of you and fight in such a way that as soon as they see you, they're going to run from you or bow before your wisdom. All right, all right. So, so the way this is to be understood is merely this. In God's providential workings in our life, 
He expects us as children of God to be children of God and to be children of our heavenly father. See, in a minute, you're going to see that this is really a conditional promise predicated upon our obedience to him. God's not going to just go before you and beat down all your enemies if you're living like hell. I'm sorry. It will not happen. If you don't want to be a son of the living God, then God's going to let you live like a son of the devil. This is the way Jesus put it very clearly. It's extremely important. Be ye perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city set on a hill. The implication is we operate as sons and daughters of God. And when that's true, then God is with us. And when God is with us, then we can face our adversaries. And when we face our adversaries in obedience to submission to God, us being humbled by him, God will work through us to break down every stronghold, every opposition, every fortress that's trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of the truth. We're not doing that well today, are we? We're not doing that well in the West, are we? And it's because we are not obeying God. Am I making some sense? Yeah, don't blame it on God. How can one run 10,000 to flight except that God had forsaken them? Don't blame it on God that our schools are completely run over by wickedness and vile filth out of the pit of hell. We let that door open up many decades ago in our rebellion and superficial Christianity in our carnality, in our secularism, in our love for material things, rather than a love for committing ourselves to the care of God's glory and the gospel of his efficacious grace, rooting us and grounding us in our identity that's in Christ. Now we're reaping the whirlwind. Anybody understand what I just stated? There's no doubt about it. So part of the blame is us, without a doubt. You can blame the left or blame the right. You can blame Trump. You can blame Fauci. Get yourself on your knees. Get on your own knees and understand. So what Moses is doing for these people is beautiful. These are God's promises. Look again over at verse uh, 30 through 32. He says over verse 30, "By by little and little will I drive them out from before you until you be increased and inherit the land. And I will set bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the sea of the Philistines and from the desert unto the river. I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out from before you. You shall make no covenant with them nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, neither shall they make, uh, for they shall make you sin against me. Uh, For if you serve their gods, I will surely be, it will surely be a snare unto you. Here we are today, June 3rd. Is this June 3rd? June 4th, 2023. And this has come to pass in our nation. This is where we are. Today you get to hear the truth. This is where we are. You, You can blame it on white folks, black folks. All that's a delusion. All that's a smoke screen. It's all a consequence of abandoning the one true and living God. We've opened the door for idolatry. It's been in our country for so long, I don't even know how to enumerate it. And that idolatry has destroyed our power because it's actually destroyed our identity. Our nation does not look like children of the living God. Nothing of the sort. And even your churches don't. 
Point number two in our outline, let's keep going. The divine call to worship in God's presence. So under point number one, we clearly laid out the zealous commitment to the mediatory obedience of God's word. Thank you, Lord, for that. We saw that with Israel all the way through. God sent them prophets and the priest's lips should always keep knowledge and the people should seek the law at their mouth. They always had a way to go back and have Torah explained. That's Leviticus and that's Deuteronomy. You know that just like it should be in the church as well. Point number two, the divine call to worship. This is absolutely amazing. Look at Exodus 24, verse eight. Look at verse eight in our text. Are we there? Now, I want to actually start at verse uh, six and go through verse eight. And Moses took half of the blood, put it in a basin, half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar, and he took the book of the covenant. That would correspond to this book. Y'all got that? He took the book of the covenant and notice what the text says. And he sprinkled blood on it. He took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words doesn't make any sense to you because the blood is not a precious doctrine for us. But the blood was a mechanism that actually brought efficacy to the covenant. Whenever men made baris in the Old Testament, there was a cutting of their wrists or their hands or something of their body parts so that they can mingle blood together. Or it was taking an innocent lamb, slitting its throat, and the blood would be taken and put between those two parties. It was a blood oath. The blood here that Moses provided for the children of Israel pointed to the blood of God's son that he used to strike a covenant with Israel. They saw God saying, I'm willing to offer my son to bring you into an everlasting union with me. And he symbolically by the lamb sprinkled blood on the altar, on the book, on the people to say it is by the blood of the lamb of God that we are brought into covenant with him. And we are thus made his people by the death, burial and resurrection of the son of the living God. Did that make some sense? This is an awesome day. This is not a play day. This is an awesome day. God is saying, I swear to you. I swear to you. He could swear by no greater oath. I swear to you. And the son confirmed that swearing, did he not? This is the awesome grounds upon which you and I are looking at point number two, the divine call to worship in God's presence. Sup. Uh, subpoints A and B t- fall out this way. First, they were consecrated by blood. We see that here, right? Consecrated by blood. Listen to the Hebrew writer, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 18 through 20, because the Hebrew writer is writing about how the Hebrews went through this and how it's ultimately fulfilled where? In Jesus. So the Hebrew writer is speaking to this same group of people, except in the New Testament, right? Here it is. Listen, whereupon neither the first Testament, that's what we're dealing with in our text, right? was dedicated without blood, verse 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all of the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet, meaning he diluted the blood and used the scarlet as a sponge to sprinkle 
Notice what it says. Uh, with water and scarlet and hyssop and sprinkle both the what? Both the what? That this book is a blood sprinkled book. And when it's not preached from that standpoint, you can't get the blessing out of it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no pouring out of the Holy Ghost. Without the pouring out of the Holy Ghost, there's no vision of God. You cannot see God apart from Christ. It won't happen until his blood is shed for you in the sprinkling upon your heart. This is why we pray all the time, Lord, wash us, sprinkle us clean, purge us with the hyssop of your word, because I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Am I making some sense? And the reason why a lot of Christians can't see God is because they don't understand the preciousness of the blood. Listen to it very carefully. Watch what he says in verse 20. Hebrews 9, 20, saying this is the blood of the what? Testament, which God has enjoined unto you. The Hebrew writer is laying out an argument to the Hebrew people about what happened in the old covenant. Look at now 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. This is how Peter puts it. He says, we who are true believers are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Do you believe that? Right. I don't want to get into that into any real detail. There's no way you can be saved if God didn't choose you first in Christ before the foundation of the world. There's no way you could be saved. Just like Israel would have never been brought out of Egypt if God didn't choose them in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God did not arbitrarily pull those Hebrew people out of Egypt. He pulled them out on the grounds of a promise he made to somebody else. They are objects of grace, just like you and I are objects of grace. I'm not saved because of who I am. I'm only saved because of who Jesus is and who I am in Jesus and who I am in Jesus. The father and the son made a covenant in time memorial before the world began and I was in it. And the son made sure God would hunt me down in this neighborhood I lived in some 44 years ago and call me by word and power to the blood of the precious lamb of the living God. And he changed my life forever. See, every believer has to be able to say that. Every believer has to be able to say that. Listen to how Peter puts it. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. We dealt with that in 2 Thessalonians. The Holy Ghost has to hunt you down and set you aside. He has to break you down and show you his glory and show you your sin. The Holy Ghost has to come get you because you're running. You're a fugitive. You're constantly running from God. You're constantly running from God. But you can't hide from a God who has chosen to come get your raggedy tail and bring you into his everlasting glory. Hunt them down, oh God. Hunt them down. Hunt them down. Right. See, the globe is only so big. It's only so deep. And gravity is going to keep you from going to other planets right now. And he's doing that because he wants to save some of us. Even if you could get to other planets, which I'll be talking about in the near future, and you will. Ain't no place in this universe you can hide from God. Talking about wanting to get away from this planet and start 
start communions on other planets, you better hope the gospel goes with you. Because you only, you getting ready to start a whole new community of sinners up there. I don't care what y'all doing, and you still going to need to be saved. Somebody still going to have to preach the everlasting gospel to you on Uranus and on Mars and on Pluto and on Saturn. Where are you going to go? Sub point B. Secondly, they were called representatively, and this is what I want us to get into now. They were called representatively, and this is where... When you're doing theology properly, the Spirit of God is going to help you understand the parallels between the old and new. What you're about to see is how God utterly rejects the notion of this indiscriminate democratic process of establishing your own identity. This notion of just, because see, democracy is part of the lie that the Marxist system is using to assert that you and I have autonomy from God. Right. A democratic process denies hierarchy. It denies structure. It denies a a, a central organizing principle. Democratic process simply says every man is his own boss. If that's not Genesis chapter three, verse one through three, I don't know what is. Am I making some sense? That's why I'm not a Democrat. Because I'm not one who can say I can do whatever I want to, whenever I want to, wherever I want to. God has persuaded me that my, my words mean nothing. My counsel and my advice mean nothing. I am not saved to do whatever I want to do. And if I run across a mob of Democrats, you know what I know what they are? They're nothing but rebels against God. Please understand that. This is why they're tearing up your cities everywhere you go. They're Democrats. I know some people are mad, but that's okay. You need to be saved. And you Republicans are worse. Because you, 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 you pretend to love God, but you're simply act, actually doing the same thing in reverse. You're the slow train to hell, the Democrats the fast train to hell. You notice they're opening the door to all of the same foolishness we've been fighting against for decades. This is what we told you. This is the dialectical process. One pump cart pumping in two different directions, going in one way. It's a delusion. You don't see that going on here. What you see going on in our text is God calling them according to a hierarchy of structure and privilege. Look at it. This is the way the text lays it out under point number two. As we're dealing with our text, notice what it says, verse, uh, verse number nine, 24, nine. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. You guys see that? They went up to God because God called them up. After that, the blood was shed and after the covenant was ratified because this is the leadership in Israel. Now I want you to get the hierarchy. Moses first. He has a co-minister who is subordinate to him in Joshua. God's preparing Joshua. I told you that back at the war with Amalek. He's preparing Joshua to take the people in because Moses does not get to take them in. Moses is a picture of the law. Joshua, whose name means Jehovah saves, is a picture of Christ taking them in to the promised land. So Joshua is going to be in cahoots with Moses for this next 40 years. Under Joshua and Moses is the priestly administration of the law under Aaron and his sons. Did y'all get that? That's a second tier down. And under them are the 70 elders. This is your Sanhedrin of the New Testament. Did y'all get that? 
This is your hierarchy. The Sanhedrin are the judges who deal at the local level with the tens and the hundreds and the thousands. They have all been called into a one-week holy convocation with God. This lasted seven days. Did y'all read your Bible? This is a seven-day journey. Seven-day journey. What are they doing? They're going up the mountain to sit and be with God. Who is that pastor? The leadership. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.